I'm your host, Lee W. Johnson, and welcome to my podcast, where I talk about all things related to magic, witchcraft, demonolatry, and a whole load of other related things. If you would like to find out more about me, get in touch with me, or hire me for a service, please go to my website, leewjohnson.com, or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. Welcome, I'm Lee Johnson and this is my channel and if you like my content then please give me a thumbs up and a share and comment and all of the good things. Um, now today I want to talk about something which I've been seeing more and more lately uh, which relates to the Catholic Eucharist or the communion, the transubstantiation process that uh, is taken during the Eucharist. Um, and the problem I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in relation to that and in relation to pagan practices itself. Okay, so the idea of transubstantiation is taking bread or cakes or wafers or whatever body or, or thing we're using to represent the body of Christ and uh, wine to represent the blood of Christ. Um, and how that relates to pagan practices and the problem that's coming up. So what I'm seeing a lot lately is people carrying on about, well, basically putting down Christian practice, this particular Christian practice. It's seen as being vampiric because the Christians are drinking the blood of Christ, or it's seen as being cannibalistic because they are eating the body of Christ. And it's all in the sense of trying to put down the Christian faith, um, the practices that they have, which are kind of being misrelated, misunderstood and things like that. But I don't want to talk about the Eucharist itself. What I want to talk about is the red meal and the hoozle. Now, I've found that if I ever perform a red meal with somebody who is fairly new to, the, to witchcraft, um, it has a relationship to the Eucharist because it's very similar um, and this generates a negative response because you know it's Christian based, it's Catholic based. Now the problem is that all the new people coming to witchcraft are going to be seeing all of these memes and such which are carrying on about Christians being vampires and cannibalists and such things and when somebody like me then goes and does a red meal with, with such, such a person, they're just going to have a reaction, a negative reaction, because we it, it gets seen as being this Christian thing. It's not a Christian thing. It is a Christian thing, but it's not originally a Christian thing. Um, you know, a lot of Christians will argue that it is, um, that um, there were certain apologetics that... Um, were false in their in their apologies and things like that but if you have a look at the history of such things the the actual roots of the eucharist itself then it comes out of older practices 
usually gets related to um, Mithraism and Greek practices relating to Dionysus. Um, but it's even older than that. We found um, in, around, around about 3100 BC, um, the, the priests of Osiris were using um, bread as the body of Osiris. Um, but this whole idea of transubstantiation, of bringing the spirit of a deity into the um, body of bread or wafers, whatever substance we're using, and the blood of the um, of the god of the deity into wine, is a really old practice. We have the Husel from the Germanic traditions. We have what we've, we've now come to know as the red meal, which is the same thing as the Husel, really. Um, but what we're doing is we are taking wine and bread, and these become representations, symbols. Um, the, the bread represents the grain, which is the body of the earth. The wine is taken from grapes, and it becomes a liquid, and it's, we usually use red wine because it represents blood. It's red, and therefore it is the, the blood of the earth. And this becomes a symbol for the god and goddess. And we then invoke the, the witch father and the witch mother, and we, we bring them into these substances, and then we take them into ourselves. So the process is exactly the same as the Eucharist. But again, it's an older practice. And the problem is that because people are seeing all these this crap about um, Christians being vampires and cannibalists or cannibals, um, it just then becomes related to that only. And when we try and do this in a pagan practice, that's all that comes up. And the person then cannot practice this thing, this pagan practice, because they just have this relationship to the Eucharist, to the Catholic faith, faith, to the Christian faith. Not all Christians practice the Eucharist, they may have open communion. Um, so it is generally considered to be a Catholic uh, practice itself. Um, but, you know, going around and, and saying that this is a, that the Christians are being, being vampires and cannibals is, is ridiculous to begin with, and it's harming the pagans, it's harming the pagan practices, the the older practices that we do. It's it's harming it left, right, and centre. So, if we could please stop this bullshit, um, you know, it's fine. Go out and, and speak bad about Christianity. Put them down. Do whatever you want to, but don't ruin or damage the pagan practices, which are older, um, and you know, ruin it for people who are actually wanting to do these things because it's part of their tradition, it's part of their faith. And trying to pass that on to other people who then come in and have a negative reaction to it straight away because of, of what they're seeing on social media and the relationship to the Catholic Church. You've got to try and remove that because it's, 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 a, it's the same type of practice but it's in a pagan format it's in a pagan ideology and it's got nothing to do with the body of christ it's got to do with the body and blood of the earth of the representation and symbolism of the god and the goddess 
Um, so, you know, it's a perfectly valid practice, practice, but it's all this shit that's going around is damaging the, you know, the, these pagan practices. Anyway, I'm carrying on. I'm going around in circles. Um, so really, I just wanted to say that. As I said, I'm just seeing more and more memes and, and stuff about this um, carrying on and, and putting the Christians down for their, their practices. Um, but uh, again, it, it damages the the pagan practices themselves and that's not cool. All right, anyway, have my say. Welcome to the Ask Lee segment of my channel and if you have any questions regarding magic, spirituality, witchcraft, demonolatry, the occult, whatever it may be, then all you have to do is drop it into the comments of any of the Ask Lee videos and I will add it to the queue. And I do these every Wednesday, so just look out for your questions. Alright, before I start today's questions, I just want to do a correction. Um, last week I spoke about the um, the lower, middle and upper world. And I related something which um, Kai had spoken about to me. Um, now, I did misinterpret that or misunderstand it or I didn't hear properly. I thought that it was in reference to a heathen worldview. It's not. Um, I have been corrected. It was in a traditional witchcraft worldview. So um, just wanted to make a correction there. This idea of um, the upper world being beyond um, our perception and therefore we don't work with the upper world is actually a traditional witchcraft worldview, not a heathen worldview. Right. So just a correction there. If you um, haven't been following my channel for a while and you don't know who I'm talking about in reference to Kai, um, Kai and I did uh, a lot of uh, lives. We do it every Friday. We did do it as the Black Hat Chat on this particular channel. And then at the beginning of this, this year, we broke off um, into its own separate channel, Into the Wildwood. I will put a link up here for you to go and check that out. Uh, we're trying to build the audience there. So if you are interested in uh, paganism, uh, witchcraft, traditional witchcraft, heathenism, um, and those areas, please go and sign up on the Into the Wildwood YouTube channel. We do have a show every Friday. Uh, we try and do a live show every Friday so you can join in the live chat and ask your questions and comments, make your comments and say hello. Just say hello if you want to. Um, but load shedding on my side uh, does kind of interrupt that sometimes. So when I have load shedding, we put up a pre-recorded show. So there is something every single Friday at least. All right. So if you uh, are interested in that, definitely go over to Into the Wildwood and subscribe there. We'd love to see you. All right. So let's get on to the questions. Okay, straight into questions. All right, so the first one is from Popamese. Gnosis versus trance. Are they the same thing or different? What are your preferred ways of to enter trance? Okay, uh, Gnosis versus trance. Um, are they the same or different? Yes and no. Um, 
Okay, so trance work, I think, don't think we really need to discuss what trance work is, but to put it into a nutshell, it is um, entering a state or entering an altered, altered state of consciousness. And this is usually um, entered through one-pointed focus, or we could say one-pointed focus is attained through trance, depending on which way you go and how you view it. Um, now, gnosis is a Greek word, um, and it means knowledge. So if we look into Gnosticism itself, it refers to the knowledge of um, the spiritual aspect and of humanity and the divinity within humanity. Um, so when we talk about Gnosis, we're usually talking about spiritual knowledge. Uh, when we go into a trance state, we may go on a journey and we bring back Gnosis, we bring back knowledge, or we may refer or talk about um, Lucifer bringing Gnosis. Um, in this case, it is the spiritual knowledge um, that we that Lucifer brings to us, illuminates our path. Um, he, he is the light bearer, and the light is the knowledge, it's the gnosis. So gnosis usually refers to knowledge itself. So in that aspect, gnosis and trance are not directly the same. We could... Um, say that through a trance state we reach a state which we are able to access Gnosis so they can be related in that way but now what we find in chaos magic is that they speak of Gnosis or a Gnostic state or a Gnostic trance um, in the same same idea or, or terms as being a trance state so in chaos magic, gnosis or gnostic state is entering that altered state of consciousness. Um, it's believed that um, magic is done by bypassing the, the conscious mind. So we bypass the conscious mind and go directly into the unconscious mind. The unconscious mind is where we find gnosis, we find knowledge. Um, so we have a relationship there. Um, but yeah, in chaos magic, Gnosis or Gnostic state is entering an altered state, so it is going into trance. Um, so that does get a bit confusing, um, you know, in reference to Gnosis being spiritual knowledge, um, but also Gnosis being a trance state, whereby, um, you know, entering trance we reach Gnosis, uh, we reach that knowledge, whereas on the other hand we have um, the, the term gnosis or gnostic gnostic state being referred to the actual trance state being referred to the altered state of consciousness so we do have that um, slight confusion there but they do relate they have a relationship what are my preferred ways to enter trance um, I like I like breath work meditation and breath work um, you know I can I can sit down and I can I use one-pointed focus and I use breath work in order to take myself in take myself down inward into the inner temple you know, that is definitely my preferred method um, other things I like to use are drumming um, I'll, I've used um, a metronome and I use the metronome, there's apps you can actually get on your phone which 
um, are, are metronomes and you can change the speed of it. Um, so if you actually if you change the speed of the metronome to meet the the beats per minute of shamanic drumming, it gets quite interesting. Um, binaural beats. Um, I actually created um, binaural beats. It's it's a pure tone, it's pure, absolute pure tone. But I created it with the solfeggio frequencies, the different ones, and um, I made it into four hertz, if I remember correctly. So it's a, a theta wave. Um, that works pretty good as well. But really, anything which takes you into that inner temple. And the reason I, the, the main reason I actually use drumming or, or the um, solfeggio frequencies with the theta wave or binaural beats or anything like that is to block out outside noises. Um, but you will find that when you actually do meditation and breath work and you reach that one-pointed focus and you go into that trance state that the outside noises and, and distractions disappear anyway. That's why it's one-pointed focus or hyper-focus. Um, but that really is my favorite method. Um, I don't like dancing because I'm not a dancer. Um, I, I trip over my own feet, so it doesn't work very well. Um, I do use singing, um, usually spontaneous singing, which, uh, you know, if you go through my channel, you're going to come across me doing spontaneous singing, especially in the healing half hour that I used to do. Um, that definitely helps me get into a trance state. So, you know, using chants, mantras and things like that, also very good for me. Um, but yeah, those are my main methods. Um, it's usually, I can, I can actually relate this to either breathwork or sound. Um, so sound in relation to the spontaneous singing, to drumming, I've used clacking before. Clacking is when you take two stones and you clack them together in a repetitive sound. Um, using a rattle, um, that, you know, the sound-based things that um, have a repetitive um, pattern to them, they help, definitely help to bring uh, me into trance. Um, so it really is, is that, is breath work and, and sound. Those are my preferred methods. All right, so that I think answers that question. Let's go on to the next one. Uh, okay, this is quite a long one from Neon Knight. Um, I've been researching how it came to be that the names Satan and Lucifer are kind of used interchangeably for the devil and sometimes even Beelzebub or apparently Leviathan also is used when people talk about the entity they call the devil. They are all separate demons, but somehow get mashed together by a lot of people who are not into demonology or demonology, especially Satan, Lucifer and Beelzebub. I've found different contradicting stories and answers to this, so I wondered what your take on this is. Unless you already made a video about that, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, would be cool to know. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you're having a great week. Um, I think I've done various videos talking about this here and there, but it's always worth repeating. So when we talk about the devil, we have two um, devils that we talk about. Yes, there's the, the theological devil, which is in relation to what the Christians think of the devil. And then we have the folkloric devil, which is the folklore, the witchcraft uh, devil, the, the horned man. 
Um, so when Satan and Lucifer and Beelzebub and Leviathan and all of them really get mixed up as being the devil, but mostly Satan and Lucifer. Um, you know, when a when a Christian talks about the devil, or we find um, old tales about the devil, it's usually in relation to Satan and Lucifer. Um, I'm not even going to say all Lucifer because they do lump them together as being the same thing. But at the same time, Christians lump everything which is not God. Uh, into this idea of the devil or Satan. So, you know, Beelzebub, Leviathan, all of the demons, they would consider to be the devil. Um, it's just different names. They think that it's just different names or maybe different aspects of this one entity, this one being, which is the devil or Satan. Um, now, when it comes to Satan and Lucifer, I do consider them to be totally separate entities, um, so totally separate beings. Uh, but some Satanists, demonologists included, will put them together as being the same one. In fact, I'm reading um, uh, Martin McGregor's book at the moment, uh, which I'll do a, um, a review at the end of next month, at the end of July. Um, yeah, no, that's this month, July. Um, it's Book of the Fallen, a great book. I'm really enjoying it, I must say. Um, but now you have to bear in mind that some people, not everybody's going to do the same things I do. They're not going to believe the same I do. And that's fine. That's absolutely perfectly fine. It's what makes us very interesting. Um, but in his, uh, in his book, he actually talks about Lucifer and Satan being the same entity in that Lucifer fell from heaven and was the light bringer, the light bearer that brought the light to earth. Um, but in that fall became Satan the adversary. So even within Satanism, within demonolatry, some will consider Satan and Lucifer to be the same entity. So it really boils down to personal experience and personal belief and your own personal worldview. Martin McGregor has a completely different worldview to what I do. Um, it doesn't mean he's wrong. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. It just means that we are different and we have a different view, a different perspective, different understanding of things. Um, so you have to remember that everybody has a different worldview and everybody has a different experience and a different understanding and a different perspective on all of these things. So whether somebody um, considers Satan and Lucifer to be the same entity or whether somebody else considers them to be completely separate or they don't believe that there is a Satan or a Lucifer. Um, that's just their own personal worldview. It doesn't mean any of them are wrong. Um, I will say that the idea, the Christian idea that they are all, all of the demons, all of the entities, all of the gods and goddesses of all pantheons are the devil. That's probably wrong. Um, but, you know, all of these different worldviews and perspectives within the magical occult practices they're just all different, um, different ways of experiencing things. So, you know, don't get too hung up on, on hung up about it. Read all of the different worldviews and perspectives. Read all of them. Learn from all of them, and then make up your own mind. Make up, you know, construct your own worldview. That's really what we're we're doing. We're constructing our own worldviews and what speaks to us and what fits with us. So, you know. 
learn from all of them and then decide for yourself really uh, I think that that goes through everything there yeah okay so the next question if my device will work there we go uh, from God King Cthulhu which if any sources grimoires etc contain ways to work with Shamyaza and the Grigori okay this one's a difficult one because I'm still trying to find them myself <laughs> um, you know I could say go straight to the book of Enoch but it's not really um, showing you how to work with them what you can do and what I've found useful is to go into a lot of traditional witchcraft sources um, the Pillars of Tubal Cain by Nigel Jackson uh, just trying to remember if I've got the correct book yeah it was the Pillars of Tubal Cain that goes a lot into into the Grigori um, and also analyzes the spirits from different uh, worldviews from different um, religions and, and traditions um, but it does go a lot into the Grigori it goes into a lot into Azazel slash Shem Yaza, um, and Lucifer and etc etc uh, but what you'll find is there's a lot of traditional witches who incorporate the Grigori into their practice um, they consider Azazel to have been uh, or, or Tubal Cain to have been the um, the avatar of Azazel um, and th there's a lot of there's a lot of traditional witches which do incorporate the Grigori not all of them um, and when we when we speak specifically about Shemyaza you have to also remember that Shemyaza is also Azazel um, I think I've seen some people suggest that they are separate but you'll probably find that the majority of uh, law suggests that they are the same being and the name often gets gets um, uh, incorporated together the two names get incorporated together into one name um, what what is quite interesting and also if I remember correctly Andrew Chumley's work from Sabbatic Craft um, that also goes a lot into Azazel uh, so there is a large focus on Azazel Shamyaza um, not specifically all of the Grigori but definitely the Azazel Shamyaza connection um, and Azazel himself as being the, the, the blacksmith god um, as being associated with Tubal Cain um, and such things alright so probably at this point in my, my journey anyway I can suggest going the traditional witchcraft route um, and having a look for them not all traditional witches follow that this this route so you know you're gonna have to pick and choose and really delve in there and find out what you know, the sources that you can actually pick up on um, but I would definitely re recommend Nigel Jackson and have a look into um, Sabbatic Craft uh, which was Andrew Chumbley and now David Shulk um, sorry not David Daniel Shulk um, and yeah that's probably your easiest sources at this point anyway um, okay 31 this is from I'm going to pronounce this wrong because I think it's supposed to be Russian bonk uh, yeah I'm, I'm 
obviously going to be pronouncing that wrong. I don't know how to speak Russian. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, Haley, I have a question for you. Since pantheons are just our way of classifying spirits and deities because of culture, but of course they all have different aspects, how would you go about differentiating certain spirits? I have a suspicion that a goddess from one culture is a different aspect from another culture. Again, comes down to your own personal worldview, whether you're hard polytheistic, soft polytheistic, pantheistic, um, whatever. Um, you know, all have different approaches to this. Um, let me just check that again. Since pantheons are just a way of classifying spirits and deities. Um, you know, the, the difficulty here is that we often go about this by saying that a certain god or goddess from one pantheon is the same as another god and goddess from a different pantheon. And it's not always the case. They may seem similar. Um, somebody asked me in the comments recently about the connection with Astarte and uh, Venus slash Aphrodite. And this is probably a good example. So Venus and Aphrodite, the um, Roman and the Greek goddess of love and sex and fertility. Um, that often gets related to the Astarte Ishtar Inanna complex. Um, I would not say they are the same. A lot of people will say they are, but I personally would not say they are the same. The, um, you know, we've had Inanna from the Sumerian, which developed into Ishtar with the Babylonian and then, or, or, or was it Babylonian? Akkadian? Um, Akkadian slash Babylonian, which then developed into Astarte. Um, and then we have a relation to Astaroth, etc. Now, this is a goddess of love, sex, and fertility, but also war. Um, and also law. Um, so, you know, you've, you've got more aspects to this particular goddess than you do with this other one. But because you have this relationship of love, love sex, and fertility, then it gets equated as being the same. Not necessarily the case. It's a bit like um, a cow has four legs and a table has four legs, therefore a cow is a, a table. They're not. Um, so, you know, we need, do need to be careful about this. Um, you may find if you do start tracking two particular entities from two different pantheons right through history into its roots, you may find that they have a similar archetype. Um, but it doesn't then mean that they are the same. Um, so let, let's have a look at this from an ancestral point of view. Um, my great-grandmother and great-grandfather had two children. Um, they probably had more, but I'm just using this as an example. So they had two children. Those two children went off, married, had children of their own. Those children had children of their own, etc., 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 etc. So you get this, this, um, this family tree that starts happening. So then you come to me, and you come to um, a cousin, a distant related cousin. We can both trace our route back to the same great-grandparents, but it doesn't make us the same. So in this 
fashion in this example that I'm trying to portray, um, what we could say is that if you have two gods that are the same, take Pan and Koninos, for example, um, from two different pantheons, but we can trace it back to the same archetype, but at some point they split off and they became two separate entities. Um, they are similar, they are very, very similar, but it doesn't make them the same. It just gives them the same root that um, they came from, and we can trace, probably trace back lots and lots of different gods and goddesses back to their, their own archetypes, but it doesn't make them the same. Um, however, when we look at Venus and Aphrodite, we can probably say, say they are the same, um, because one culture just took the, the gods and goddesses out of another one and renamed them to suit themselves. Um, so the whole, again, coming back to the um, Inanna, Ishtar, Astarte, it was the same goddess that just um, over thousands of years just developed, became, uh, or got a different name, adopted a different name, but the same, the same goddess. And at some point we could say that that goddess became different and um, maybe two groups of people uh, worshipped the same goddess but worshipped in two different fashions. So as the lines carried on, they continued, they split off, they became two different um, egregores actually. Um, but those egregores trace back to the same root goddess or god. So, you know, you have all of these breaks and shifts and everything else. So we, we can't always say that one god or one goddess is the same as another god or goddess, goddess from a different pantheon. You may be able to trace them back to the same archetype, or it may be a split which created um, various egregores which you can trace back to the same entity. So, you know, it gets quite convoluted, quite difficult, um, quite interesting um, to have a look into, but that's basically uh, what, we, what we're considering there. And I think I'm going to leave today's there. Let me just check the next question. Yeah, the next question is going to take a bit of discussion. So um, I'm going to save that one for the beginning of next week. And I will uh, see you next week then. Have a good one for now. Cheers. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by, well, myself, Lee W. Johnson. To find out more about me, please visit my website at leewjohnson.com or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. If you like the video format, then subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's me for this week. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening.